Hi, welcome to the podcast of The Kelly Cutrera Show. Thursday, October the 29th, Good Life Fitness is asking members to get involved in a campaign to urge the province to reopen clubs in Modified Stage 2. We'll talk to the VP of Good Life Fitness. And since the spring, the city has added new bike lanes on University Avenue, Danforth, and Bloor Street. Yesterday, Toronto City Council overwhelmingly supported a plan. They could see bike lanes on Young Street by the summer of 2021 with a vote of 19 to 3. Here to talk about it, Councillor Mike Cole, who represents Ward 8, Eglinton Lawrence. Uh, morning, Kelly. So where exactly on Young Street are these proposed bike lanes going? Give us an idea. Well, the uh, proposal would be to look at the feasibility of putting um, protected bike lanes uh, from Bloor up to Lawrence. Okay, when you say protected, what would they be protected with? Give us an idea. What they usually do, the first phase, is they use those uh, uh, plastic uh, temporary uh, pylons that they put up. Have you seen the white ones that go up? so that's what, uh, and they do, uh, that gives you an opportunity to make changes down the road if there are problems. Uh, so that's usually the process. Okay, now the motion calls for the city to explore adding these temporary bike lanes on Young Street from Bloor to Lawrence Avenue. Um, and this is in conjunction with new on-street patios and other traffic calming measures. Is this a pandemic initiative? Will it be terminated post-pandemic? Well, it is uh, resulting, uh, the acceleration is resulting from the pandemic uh, where we uh, did the Cafe TO where we took away some uh, uh, car lanes to allow restaurants uh, to have uh, patios on the uh, inside uh, curb lane. Uh, so, and this is going to continue to look at uh, continuing that because it looks like this pandemic ain't going anywhere. Uh, so we want to continue to look at those uh, curb lane patios and then part of it look at ways of incorporating these bike lanes uh, uh, to uh, essentially calm traffic down to get people to stop and shop and just to make our streets a bit uh, slower and safer. You brought up the stopping and the shopping. I know that um, businesses along Danforth were complaining when those uh, bike lanes were uh, planned originally and then uh, slotted to go in along Danforth. How are Young Street businesses reacting? And I know you're in favor. You were one of the more vocal supporters of this plan at the council meeting of um, bike lanes on Young Street. How do you think they're going to positively affect that neighborhood? Well, again, uh, a neighborhood is made up of uh, the stores, the shops, uh, Along with, uh, you know, we've got about 30 neighborhoods that look at Young Street as their main street. So, uh, and the uh, uh, BIAs we've talked to, we've got uh, the uh, Young St. Clair BIA, the Uptown Young BIA, and others we've talked to basically are in favor of us looking at uh, implementing this to see if it could give uh, business a shot in the arm because right now, uh, we just see drive-by traffic that people are racing down uh, our main streets to get to somewhere else, and they're not stopping uh, to uh, essentially patronize. So we're, it's all part of uh, trying to do uh, more to uh, make our neighborhood uh, shopping a bit more easier and to get people to just not drive through at great speed. And, and on top of that, this also comes as a result of, uh, I mean, we are... Uh, hyper-construction central in North America at Young and Eglinton right now. We've got the Eglinton mm-hmm. Crosstown. We've got uh, the uh, condo craziness going on there. So we've got 
so many uh, dangerous situations with uh, trucks and traffic. So it's all part of that thing. So the timing is horrible to add in bikes. Well, no, it isn't because the bike lanes basically slow things down and it's all part of a... uh, Well, yeah, they'll slow things down if a dump truck like rolls over somebody on a cycle. Well, no, they uh, dump trucked, uh, ran over pedestrian earlier this year at Erskine and Young and uh, going at great speed. Uh, So uh, (laughs) we don't want dump trucks racing up and down Young Street. We want them to slow down. I know, but you see what I mean, though, right? Like, if you've got dump trucks on the street anyways, you know, you add in yet another thing that they have to look out for. If they're in the middle of uh, doing a job, that's another distraction, and the possibility could be fatal for a cyclist. Well, it's been fatal for pedestrians. Uh, yeah. People are saying right now there's too many construction trucks going at great speed, blocking all kinds of... Uh, Street access, uh, making it impossible to basically to even drive down some of these streets safely because of all the construction well, then, trucks. I, I know. I just I, I feel like we're talking in circles here. But how could it be safer to add another another obstacle to well, that? Obstacle. I, I mean, I guess is that one of the way? Is that well? Is that one of the arguments against? Because there were three people that voted against. Well, the three people voted against want cars to go faster down our main streets. And we're saying we don't want, we want cars to travel, but we want, whether it be trucks or cars, they've got to slow down and respect the fact these are where people live, work, and there are stores. To start. It's not just a highway yeah. to downtown. But, Councillor Cole, are you saying that Denzel Min and Wong wants the uh, speed limit increased on Young Street? Well, yeah, he wants cars to go fast. So he wants the speed limit increased? Well, he wants cars to move quickly through uh, Young Street. So at the speed limit? He doesn't want cars to slow down. We're saying we want everybody to be more careful to just Mm -hmm. not use our main street as a highway. So your goal, because highway speed is 100. Uh, I believe, unless otherwise posted, it's 50 kilometers an hour on city streets. You want that dumped down on Young Street, I'm guessing. The speed? I, I want them to obey the speed limit, which they don't do right now. We've got... Well, hand out tickets. It's a great the, way to make money. The police do not uh, ticket uh, anymore for speeding or moving violations. They basically have really slowed down on that. They don't do much ticketing of moving violations. Mm. they they got more important things to follow, like, you know, shootings and violence. Uh, so they don't do... Uh, as many uh, moving violations. Okay, so if people don't follow, just by your logic here, I know we've gotten off topic here, but it's not really that far off topic. If people don't follow the speed limit anyways, if you drop it down or slow things down, what's to say that just because there's a bike lane on the street that people are going to drive even more responsibly? Well, they do because the uh, traffic lanes are made more narrow. And when you make traffic lanes more narrow, people do slow down. That is, okay, so uh, the, con- the con- con- congestion will slow everything everything down. It's the narrow street, or if the street is more narrow, if it's a wide mm-hmm. open street uh, with uh, wide lanes, they travel faster, and that's uh, basically a basic rule of thumb for uh, transportation planning. Wide street, they they tend to uh, go faster. On a more narrow street, they're a bit more careful. I don't want you to get the wrong impression of me, Councillor Cole. I am a cyclist. I'm also a driver. And 
I was famous for driving, riding my bike all over the city of Toronto. I, that's how I got to work in back on a daily basis. But one of the things I did was I avoided those main streets because a even if it's if things do get stuck in congestion situations, you're dealing with car exhaust, which is not something that you want to breathe in as a cyclist and be beside. And you also driving in next to slow traffic is very scary as well because you never know if somebody's going to go, oh, geez, I'm just going to get off this street and hang a right and, you know, in their frustration, not see you. So that was worrisome as a uh, cyclist for me. The motion also includes language that I like as a cyclist, says the city would consider installing lanes on parallel routes. This is something they've done in Vancouver, which I've previously called home. And I I like this idea. Why is it that the city of Toronto doesn't seem to look at parallel routes when it comes to bike lanes? Well, we are. That's the motion. But their Avenue Road and Mount Pleasant Road, also very busy car streets. No, no, it's not just Avenue Road. There's Duplex, there's other Jedburgh, there's other possible alternative routes. Uh, so we're looking at the feasibility of doing it on Young Street and see if it works. Uh, we're going to do uh, studies for the next uh, six months to a year, and we're going to look at possible, if it doesn't seem to work on Young, we'll look at alternative routes that might uh, be, because the reality is people are not going all downtown anymore because there's a lot more working from home because of COVID. Yep. They're, they're doing more local commuting and a lot of people don't want to get on crowded buses or on uh, the subway. So the reality is uh, you can't find a bike in Toronto. So people are, uh, you know, going to work now, shopping, traveling more on their bicycles. So we, the reality is we have to make it safe for people on their uh, bikes. Right now it is not because of the excessive speed of cars and we're trying to make a situation where they have at least a lane where they could travel more mm-hmm. safely. All right. Well, the lanes that they pick in in Vancouver are on the parallel side street. The very next street over is what they pick in Vancouver. And I would uh, lobby that the government should, the council should start looking at this because it's a great plan. And if, if Vancouver, Vancouver is the most bike friendly place I've ever lived. And people are love getting outdoors. They do it in all kinds of weather. And if that's what we're expecting in Toronto, that seems to be a really safe way to look at these bike lanes in a way where everybody can kind of get along. Because it shouldn't be about penalizing the uh, the driver in the city of Toronto. It should be about making the roads safe for everyone to use. I want to thank you for your time, Mike. Uh, you've been, uh, we, we are not uh, penalizing drivers. We're just trying to make it safer for pedestrians, cyclists, and for drivers. Because right now, there's too much speeding, uh, too many instances of uh, no enforcement of speed limits. So we're just trying to slow things down a bit. All right. I appreciate your time, Mike. Thanks so much. Have a great day. Thank you, Kelly. Bye. Cheers. That's Councillor Mike Cole, who obviously is uh, a big supporter of bike lanes in the city of Toronto. I, Chris, I'm sorry. I have a problem with putting bike lanes in a construction zone. As a cyclist, I don't want to drive where there's major trucks, big trucks, people that could be distracted. It seems like a recipe for disaster. And this is the wrong time to do this, in my opinion. I get it. Everybody wants to get out on their bikes. It's called a side street. Take advantage of it. It's beautiful. You get to looky-loo at people's houses. All right, you never know who's listening to the program. Chris said uh, Councillor uh, Holiday is going to be calling in in a few minutes to respond to what Councillor Cole said about how uh, the three that voted against the bike lanes on Yonge Street just want uh, traffic to run faster on Yonge Street. I asked if he's saying that, you know, Denzel Minowong, who was one of the three, wants a speed limit upped on Yonge Street. And he kind of uh, said, well, no, but 
you know, uh, it's not being enforced anyway. So I thought that was really interesting. So the temporary bike lanes that they're talking about would go in by next summer. They'd be on Young Street from Bloor to Lawrence Avenue. And this is uh, problematic for some people that drive because University Avenue, Danforth Avenue, Bloor Street, all major arteries as far as the car is concerned. And uh, major streets for retailers have uh, recently found themselves um, the homes of new bike lanes. And that's since the spring. So uh, bike lanes continue. I actually don't have a problem with bike lanes if they're properly planned out and put in the right streets. I like the way Vancouver's put it, uh, put these bike lanes on their street. Basically, they're on the the street parallel to the main street. As a cyclist, I don't want to drive in the main street. I'll go to a side street, park my bike, and then walk to the main street. David in Burlington, is this the time to be adding these bike lanes? Kelly, just like a classic counselor, let's, in order to solve a problem, let's spend more money rather than taking the opportunity to make money. They, the fact that he said that police don't give out tickets anymore is just hilarious. Not to mention the fact that we've opened up the window now for speed cameras in school zones. Put them on Young Street. Make some cash. Okay, let's, unfortunately, Young Street's a street that's already made and it is what it is. To introduce bike lanes and all this stuff, Vancouver introduced this stuff a long time ago while buildings were still going up and setbacks were increased and everything else. Okay, you can't do this to streets that have been the way they are for God knows how long and start taking away. And like the fact that he says if the lane is tighter, people go faster. Well, if you're complaining about dump trucks... No, the lane is wider, people go faster is what he was talking no, about. He said, wider, like, if it, yeah, if it, sorry. Yeah. Yeah, but you know what I would argue dump trucks being the problem and dump trucks yeah. in a tighter lane are going to cause more trouble. Like it's just hilarious. Yeah. It, well, it's Don't... terrifying to me. It's yeah, it's I, terrible timing. I, I, you know, to say that young and Eglinton right now is going through a massive, uh, you know, building fades. And so why don't development, why don't we throw in some, some bike lanes is truly terrifying because the timing seems wrong to me. All right. Um, let's go to counselor Stephen holiday. Cause we've got him on the line. Welcome to the show, Stephen. Hey, Kelly. Uh, good morning. Um, I just about fell over when I heard uh, Councillor Cole's comments. Okay, so how do you respond to his comments? And what really got you uh, so agitated that you decided to reach out to Chris and say, hey, I'm listening to this and I'd like to, to have my say? Well, at Council, we had a good old-fashioned street fight yesterday about bike lanes like we always do. But, you know, the Councillor spun this that the three of us that voted against it, you know, wanted cars to go faster or something, which is nothing further than the truth. A lot of people that drive out there know that when you introduce congestion on purpose, when you add a bottleneck, you frustrate drivers. And maybe that's what leads to people doing risky things like driving too fast or blowing stop signs. I don't think that was very fair. Um, you know, I, I complained about this at council, and this is council doing another sneak attack uh, during COVID. They walked on a motion onto the floor and tried to slip this through unnoticed. And uh, boy, okay, oh boy, so I this wasn't noticed. planned. You had no idea that this bike lane on Young Street from Bloor to Lawrence was was even in the works as far as planning goes. In the, there's a line item in our broader city plan for cycling to study this over a number of years and this was not a top priority and suddenly this was was walked in as a temporary measure in covid and then a permanent measure long over the long term and i don't think people have really had a chance to react to it Mm. i wonder if people would is there any worry at all that people would hold the city responsible if there is an accident where a bike lane 
uh, a cyclist is hit by one of those large vehicles as far as, uh, you know, like, let's just use the example of a dump truck that I used while I was talking talking to Councillor Cole, uh, hits a cyclist and uh, it results in a fatality. If that's the case, and you guys went ahead, could you be liable for putting in bike lanes when you knew that there was development going on in the area? It, it might be an irresponsible move. Well, you know, let the engineers sort out how you design a bike lane if indeed these things are finalized and put in. And the litmus tested council was pretty clear that they'll go in without too much effort. But I like what you said earlier is that when you cycled, I think like a lot of sensible cyclists, you avoid these really congested areas and you take the parallel streets that are nearby. You can move around through the city pretty efficiently if you know the streets. And, you know, the biggest issue I've got is just how do you move people in general when you when you plug up the arteries and deliberately introduce congestion? You make it worse for everybody. Another thing that Councillor Cole said, and I, I don't want to you know pick apart his opinion. That's his opinion. That's what his argument was based on. But uh, I think it. I'd love to hear your point of view on this. He was talking about how. Uh, they have a situation now on the main streets where cars just aren't stopping. And I wonder how much of the cars passing by those retailers has to do with the fact that they don't have the places to stop anymore. We've lost curb lanes to, you know, pat cat patios due to Cafe T.O. or um, d- developers that are, you know, taking them up while they're, you know, building condos or, you know, just a, a limit on, on street parking. Yeah, isn't the devil in the details? That's right. So there's currently on-street parking during the off-peaks on this stretch of Young, and this proposal will take all of that away. So I wonder what that's going to do to the businesses and the restaurants who try to bring people in in the evening and invite cars to park around. It's as if the only people that shop there live within a kilometer or two. Yeah, I agree. You want to make it an attractive place, and the people passing through need to be able to park their cars. Right. Um, so you guys, there was only three against this motion. Uh, what happens now? Well, you know, the city is going to go through its reams of studies, but there was a little inkling in there that this is going to be temporary during COVID as well. And, mm-hmm. uh, and that concerns me because we saw that earlier this year where the, the city suddenly just rammed through some bike lanes, you know, on the drop of a hat and suddenly you've got to live with them. And then the chances of those things coming out in the future, I think are slim to none. Appreciate your time today. Thanks so much for tuning into the show, and thanks for responding. Thank you. Cheers. That's Stephen Holliday, our city councillor. On the other side, one of the three that voted against those bike lanes going in by summer 2021 along uh, Young Street between Bloor and Lawrence. David and Barry, you've been waiting for a while. You've heard Cole, Councillor Cole. You've heard Councillor Holliday. Where do you fall on is this the right time to put in bike lanes on Young Street? Absolutely not. It's never a good time to put bike lanes on Young Street. Thanks for taking my call, Kelly. I just, I, I can remember riding my bike in the 70s. I lived in Leaside on Eglinton Avenue. Forget dump trucks. I was in mortal fear of the buses passing me when I'd be riding my 10 speed back in those days. You know, and they got awfully close to the curb lane. So anytime you put a bicycle up against a motor vehicle, a motor vehicle is going to win hands down every time. My money's on the motor vehicle, the dump truck, the transport truck. It's insanity. You're, it's an accident waiting to happen. And you're absolutely just, right. If, if they put them through, the city should be held liable because they know the dangers. David, I got to ask you, because you painted such a beautiful visual of yourself on the 10-speed bike in Leaside. Um, tube socks or no tube socks? Uh, <laughs> 
Tell you, you'd, you'd cringe. I used to ride barefoot or within moccasins. <laughs> I was an of idiot. Of course you did. <laughs> of course you did. David, pleasure talking to you. Thanks so much for the call. Uh, Jason Sheridan joins the show right now. Jason is the VP of The Good Life. And Jason, when we last spoke, you were getting things ready for reopening at The Good Life. You were, you know, putting in your um, your plexiglass. You were getting everything ready with the hand sanitizer. You were training staff and you were good to go. You were very optimistic about opening up in this uh, pandemic. Yeah, absolutely. Hi, Kelly. Thanks for having me back. Um, well, it's yeah, good to we have you back. We really hard preparing to, uh, to reopen. Um, uh, we're still open in majority of places. We currently have 77 clubs that are in those regions that have been rolled back to that modified uh stage two, but uh, things are going really well in the clubs for us right now. What are you hearing from members that have uh, had their membership suspended because they're in a stage two area and they go to try and go to a good life elsewhere and they're not allowed in? Yeah, people are, are upset for sure. They um, People want their workouts and uh, and we can appreciate that. We, we know where they're coming from. That uh, Exercise uh, goes a long way, not just for your your physical health, but for your mental health as well. And I think we're all needing that more now than ever. And and I think people, um, or maybe they don't understand. They don't understand why their gyms are closed. Um, They maybe don't understand a little bit why they can't visit other clubs. Uh, We're not allowing members to visit. As you had mentioned, we're we're doing our part and, and following all the uh, guidelines given to us by government and uh, public health experts. So, uh, unfortunately, for those members in those areas, they they have to wait until their gym opens back up. How uh, frustrating is it for you, and how damaging was it that Spinco outbreak in Hamilton? That that uh, clubs are still allowed to stay open in Hamilton; they're not part of the <laughs> shutdown. And the fact that you know people are now looking at the Spinco outbreak and judging all uh, fitness clubs with this the same kind of um, optics. Yeah, we certainly heard from people that that is one of those um, situations that that's out there, and it's been you know well well covered in the media, and people are aware of it and often refer to that. Uh, I think as an industry, we understand uh, where we're coming from. We we're in in Ontario, we're a stage three business, so we knew we were going to be the the last ones to open. We understand. Um, you know, from medical experts around the world, there's there's concerns with. Um, with those any spaces that you go into and and gym spaces have specific uh concerns that people have but that's why we worked so hard we 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 studied everything we could we completely transformed our business uh we put in great efforts invested a lot to to change that club experience to minimize the risk as much as possible and we've had amazing results so far from that it is unfortunate um, outbreaks can happen and, and those things do happen. And uh, I think that it is one of those things that people will grab onto. But what we're really hoping for is that people go a little bit deeper than that. Let's, let's look at the numbers. Let's understand where, where is um, transmission happening. And, you know, one studio like that is not something that we should look at the entire industry because of one specific situation. Well, we've got Jason Sheridan, VP of Good Life, on the line. Jason, how many COVID outbreaks can be traced back to the Good Life clubs? Uh, we've had zero, uh, to be completely honest with you. I've been asked that question a lot lately. And 
And I think we've got to look at things. Um, we, we want to make sure everybody's using the same language because you get you hear people talk about uh, a positive COVID case, and you you hear about a positive COVID case at a school or at a grocery store, and what that means is somebody was in that place um, when they were pre-symptomatic or asymptomatic. As soon as they found out. Public health is involved. The business is made aware, and all of those things happen. So we have had that situation happen in our clubs. What we've seen, mm-hmm. we've had 10 million check-ins in our clubs, and out of all of the check-ins across the entire country, when you get one of those positive cases, it's 1.6 out of 100,000 check-ins. So it's not that common. But what's most important is the other big term is transmission. So have any of those situations where you knew that somebody was in the club did they transmit? Well, they haven't. We've had no public health authority report to us or, or notify us, and, and no individual member or, or staff has, has told us there's been transmission. And that's because everybody's worked so hard. It's, it's so easy to stay distanced in the club. It's, you're in there for a minimum amount of time. You're not there for hours on end. You're not talking with people at close distance. You tend to be doing your workout. And we have really good ventilation. And these are all the things that we all need to do to minimize our risk. Yesterday, Good Life Fitness sent out an email to their members, and you're urging them to pressure the Ontario government to allow gyms to reopen in parts of the province. It's part of a campaign that's led by the Fitness Industry Council of Canada. Can you just give us some background on who they are, the Fitness Industry Council of Canada, for those of us who are just becoming aware of them now? Yeah, the Fitness Industry Council of Canada uh, represents um, a- anyone in the fitness industry across the entire country. Um, this particular effort is by the Ontario Coalition, and so there's there's many members, and it could be small, uh, independent owners, uh, boutiques, and that sort of thing. We'll all be part of Fitness Industry Council, and it's just an organization that helps represent uh, the industry. And, and this is a time when uh, it, it's about community with our industry and, and, and helping one another to, to get the word out. There's a lot of um, fitness businesses out there that are struggling for obvious reasons. And that campaign is yes to, to let's get talking about what are the concerns because we're not seeing it within our own industry and certainly not within good life. So what are the concerns? What are, what do we need to do? Is there more that government and public health is looking for? Because we're game. Let's, let's do it. Let's figure out what that is so we can make those changes and get it implemented um, but then beyond that, it's also to make sure they understand how important this industry is and, and how devastating uh, this could be on, on many of the operators in the fitness industry. Okay, what are you asking your clients to do specifically? Yeah, we're basically just saying, you know, if you're uh, in the clubs and you've experienced the clubs and, and you're satisfied with what you've seen, um, spread the word, reach out to your MPP, let them know. And especially in those regions where the clubs are closed, uh, I think we want to, you know, just get that word out to say, please work with the industry and, and uh, people like Good Life to to come up with a plan so that they can reopen. We, we just want to make sure uh, government understands the, the role that fitness plays in people's lives, both as, as an employer. There's a lot of people whose livelihood is at stake. And, and as I said, physical and mental health is important to, to so many people right now. And how are your clients responding to you reaching out and saying, if you could, we'd love you to write a letter to the government? We're getting great feedback. Um, you know, this was, uh, we were hearing this prior to this campaign starting. So it was great timing. We were, we were very eager to participate. And, um, and I think a lot of our members had questions. A lot of our associates had questions because they've, 
experienced the club. They've seen what it's like. They knew about the good track record. So they were confused when things were, were closed down. They didn't understand why. And they want, everybody said, you know, show us the information. Um, and, and they wanted us to advocate on their behalf. And this is something that we can do um, to, to try to help uh, their situation. And, uh, you know, we really just want to work with as I said, those medical experts, public health, the government, uh, and do our part to create a plan where gyms can reopen safely for everyone. Let's talk about the timing, if we could, because on Monday, we started out the week talking about how Halton mayors uh, and MPs had written a letter to mm-hmm. uh, Dr. David Williams, the chief medical officer of health in the province, to ask that they not be moved into that modified stage two that a lot of your gyms are located in, uh, the Good Life gyms. And we're found, we found out a couple of days later that the premier actually urged them to write the letter. So is this, um, is this inspired by uh, the premier saying, you know, write a letter when, he, when uh, the Halton mayors came to him? No, this is something we had been working on uh, last week, knowing that we wanted to. Um, this was good timing because we're, we're at the halfway point of this, this uh, shutdown now. So we wanted to make sure we're being proactive. Uh, you know, as an industry, we would obviously need time to prepare any changes and to be ready to implement those things. And, and so we want some time to work on that and to understand what would be necessary. But it is quite interesting how so many things this week have uh, kind of landed in that that same place. And all we hope is that uh, we can get that conversation going. And have you heard from the government on, you know, your, you urging them to, you know, reconsider allowing gyms to open in, reparts, in, in parts of the province where you've been forced to close them? Not directly or specifically yet. We, we really believe there is interest there. We, we've heard really positive things from Premier Ford and obviously from uh, Mayor Tory. And um, we're, we're there if, if they want to work with us and, and uh, want participation and, and our help, we're, we're really eager to take part. Okay, what's the protocol? Say there is and there hasn't been an outbreak at a good life gym. Mm-hmm. What's the protocol that you've, you've set up? Because I'm sure you've thought worst case scenario, what do we do? Yeah, I mean, I think every business uh, has to look at this situation and, and think about worst case scenario. And, um, you know, we we have a dedicated team of people. Uh, we've worked with outside experts, um, which I think has been uh, covered at some point. Uh, Dr. Christopher Hicks and Andrew Petrosaniak have helped us to understand, you know, how do you handle these type of emergency situations? And we always err on the side of, um, you know, ultimate caution we, we want to keep people safe and and that's you know our staff our members and uh the community so um anytime something were to come up it, you know we hear about there's a, a case of covid in a club immediately we have our checklist we're going through what do we know about close contacts who's been in the club at that time um all of our disinfection and cleaning protocols are all in place so we're looking to see you know, are all of those things that need to be in place, mask wearing, that type of thing, if that's all been in place, all of those things help to lower the risk. Again, as an industry, it's really easy for us to contact people. We know exactly when somebody came into the club, how long they've been in the club. In many situations, we know where they've been in the club. So we can really quickly react, contact people, let them know if they've been in in the club at that time. Uh, And there's times where 
you know, if, if it looks like there could have been transmission in the club, we would just close on, on the spot. It's one of those things you, you just have to react that way at that time. And, um, and then you, you put the pieces together. You make sure the right people understand if they're at risk um, and so that they know how to act accordingly and, and monitor themselves. A lot of different businesses feel like they're being unfairly targeted, you know, restaurants, bars, uh, and I'm sure uh, fitness clubs. Do you feel like you've been unfairly targeted with all the work that you've done and and protocols you've put in place and things you've done to mitigate the concerns of of spreading this pandemic? You know, it's certainly discouraging to have have put in so much work and and not only that, to also see that work um, doing what it's supposed to do and that it it is benefiting the, the the safety of our members and our associates. So it's discouraging to hear that for sure. But but we also understand, we know what the fitness industry, uh, how people look at it. We know there are things within indoor spaces and you know respiratory rate that are at risk. Um, so we know why we're always going to be under the microscope. We get that. But that's why we've done the work. That's why we've done the work. That's why we've created the protocols and, and we're feeling really good about what we've done to this date and and it is discouraging to be rolled back but we believe you know in two more weeks we can you know add to the plan if more needs to be done let's do that and and let's get those clubs open back up all right you seem like a relatively reasonable uh individual that's quite uh level-headed so i wish you the best of luck jason all right appreciate it thank you for your time cheers jason sheridan vp of good life talking about how uh Good Life Fitness members have been encouraged to send emails. Put the pressure on the Ontario government. We want our gyms to be allowed to reopen where they've been forced to close because of rising COVID cases, yet there haven't been one linked to the Good Life Fitness Clubs. Well, that's it for the podcast today. Thanks for tuning in. Don't forget to tell your friends that we do this. I know they listen daily between 9 and noon, don't they? They should on 640 Toronto. Have a great day.